0: Uh, the celebration of God's global mission. And so I don't know. The question that I had in my mind when I was thinking about the sermon was, when you see these videos and the map, do you get excited? Does this vision to have the passion, a passion to make Christ known to the nations, does it stir your heart? Does it stir your heart? And that's a good question for us to be asking one another and asking ourselves before the throne. We're coming out of a pandemic. It's been a pretty hard time. In some ways, we've gotten very focused on ourselves. Um, And in many ways, uh, looking out in the world can be hard for us right now. And yet... By God's grace, he has called us to be a people who have a heart for the nations. And so what I wanted to do today was hopefully encourage us as we come to this word, as we're celebrating global missions as a communion, to once again recognize that having a heart for the nations is really a participation in God's own heart. It's something that is a part of who we are as the people of God. And so the first principle that I want us to look at, this idea of God's heart for the nations, is God's people are blessed to bless the nations. And this we see in Genesis. We see it right in the beginning of Scripture, after the introduction, the first 11 chapters, which ends with actually the Tower of Babel story and uh, people then sent out. This is where the nations became a reality as different languages were basically put upon people to separate them and divide them. And so as we see a table of contents there, there's 70 nations now where there had been one people speaking one common language. And as a result of that, from the rest of Genesis all the way through to Revelation, the story, God's story, is redeeming a people who will belong to him. So as we we see this happening, God chooses someone that's going to be the instrument for this to happen. He chooses Abram. And we see God speak about this in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Let's look at that scripture together. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. and whoever curses you, I will curse. Now listen to these words. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God's heart for the nations right here and is establishing his covenant with Abram. This is really the first great commission right here in Genesis. This is the original Great Commission. And it reveals God's heart for the nations, which we see again and again throughout the Old Testament. And it's good to get an idea of this. I have some scripture there that you can look at. God confirms this promise to Abraham when he spares Isaac, when he provides a ram for Isaac. He again reiterates that His people are going to bless the nations. And then he reaffirms it again with Jacob in Genesis 28. King David expresses this emphasis in 1 Chronicles, and it's repeated through the Psalms. And then as we get to the prophets, listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 and 7. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. And on this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that unfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. You see God's heart again and again being expressed that he would be known, that his love would be known, his salvation would be known to the nations. In Ezekiel 5.5, 5, God says he has set Jerusalem in the center of the nations, in ancient times, Jerusalem was right in the center of all the trade routes. So merchants from all over the world are coming and going, and they're hearing stories of Israel's God, of their deliverance at the Red Sea, the cloud of fire in the wilderness, David and Goliath, Samson. And this continued until the time that Jesus was born. Zechariah prophesies that the baby in Mary's womb is going to be a light to the nations, a light to the nations. Jesus reaches out and blesses people from other nations. The centurion, the woman at the well from Samaria, and then as Josh preached on a couple of weeks ago, the Canaanite woman, the Canaanite woman, all these who were outside Israel being brought in as Jesus opens up his heart and his message to the nations. And then we see it continued in the New Testament. After his resurrection, Jesus spent 40 days teaching his disciples about the kingdom. And during this time, much emphasis was given to the nations. In the Olivet Discourse, in Luke 24, he, he says in verse 47, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all Nations beginning at Jerusalem. Then there's the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Then Jesus said to them, And all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he says these words from Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Listen to these words. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father, promise, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after Jesus said these words, he ascended into heaven. These were his last words that he spoke on earth. Think about that for a second. What was on his heart? And so the disciples went back to Jerusalem, and as we know, they spent 10 days in prayer waiting for the promised Holy Spirit. And Acts 2 tells us that on that 10th day, which we call Pentecost... The wind of the Spirit blows. The tongues of fire appear on everyone's head and they begin to speak in different languages. This is the promise pouring out of the Holy Spirit with power into the hearts of the disciples. Peter preaches the good news of the gospel for the first time. Who did he preach it to? To God-fearing Jews from where? Every nation. Luke Luke makes it very clear, from every nation nation. And he goes on to tell us that there were 15 different people groups there. He names them for us. They were visiting for the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of the Harvest, the commemoration of the giving of the law. This was the Feast of the Harvest. And here what happens? The Holy Spirit comes and in the power of the Holy Spirit, God is raising up his new harvest which is the church of Christ. And as Peter preaches, what do we know happens? People's hearts are, as it says, pricked. They're convicted. And oh, 3,000 are baptized. That's the birth of the church. 3,000 are baptized. And this is an international, multilingual crowd. And we see, even in this particular moment, as they will disperse to the different nations, the seed of this gospel is going out. It's powerful. There's a new harvest, there's a new deliverance, and there's a new covenant. And so what's happening now is the fulfillment of Jeremiah 31. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And what we know from the book of Acts is this new Pentecost feast has never ended. It's an ongoing feast. Think about it for a second. The kingdom of God continues to spread through the nations by the witness of his people. What he stated in Acts 1-8 continues to happen. The feast is ongoing. I love what John Stott says in that quote there. The kingdom of God is his rule set up in the lives of his people by the Holy Spirit. It is spread by witnesses, not by soldiers. Through a gospel of peace, not a declaration of war, and by a work of the Spirit, not by force of arms, political intrigue, or revolutionary violence. It's by the witness of God's people empowered by the Holy Spirit. So think about that for a second. Think about the feast not ending. If you know anything about the book of Acts, you see what happens, right? In Acts Two, it tells us at the end that as people lived out their lives as disciples, as they were in fellowship and communion and sharing the word together and loving other people, people were added daily to their number. In Acts 5, it tells us that that 3,000 had already turned to 5,000. And then it tells us that there's a multitude of people who have been saved. And then Samaria is saved. Entire towns, it tells us in Acts 9, are saved. Great numbers of Gentiles in Acts 11 are saved. We see the spreading of this kingdom to the ends of the earth. And by the end of Acts, the witness has gone all the way to Rome. Throughout the whole known earth at that time, for the people there, the gospel has gone out by the witness of God's people empowered by the Holy Spirit. People just like you and me. So where is it today? You want to put that map up? You can see by this map, all those blue spots is where the gospel is going out and people have come to know the Lord. As a matter of fact, there are over 2.5 billion professing Christians today throughout the world. The feast Continues. It has not ended. The promise to the ends of the earth continues. And so we see that the gospel is going forth. There are just a number of places there where you see very little or no witness. And God's on the move, calling people into these places. That's one of the great things that we can see by who we're involved with in ministry that God's at work even in those places. So that's why I love what John Stott says here. You can put the map down. And you can put that quote up by John Stott. The church is the community of Jesus who have first been chosen out of the world and then sent back into the world. Mission is as fundamental to us as it was to Christ. An introverted church." Turned in upon itself, preoccupied with its own survival, has virtually forfeited the right to be a church, for it's denying a major part of its being. As a planet which ceases to be in orbit is no longer a planet, so a church which ceases to be in mission is no longer a church. In order to qualify for the name church, we must be a community deeply and constantly aware of our sentness and actively loyal to this part of our Christian identity. How does that resonate with you? Oh, that's just some British guy, John Stott. What's he know about my life? Oh, no, that's just Jesus speaking before he goes to heaven. Oh, no, that's God speaking to Abram in Genesis 12. Brothers and sisters, we here at Bridge take this very seriously. We believe that God has called us to be a people who are involved locally and globally in mission and mercy. Some of you have not been here from, since the beginning, but if you think about Bridge's participation in God's heart for the nations, we've had a great privilege in being able to participate in God's heart for the nations. As you can see even from that map, we have missionaries that God has graciously sent out from us. In God's mercy, he opened up a door for us through our Transworld Radio missionaries. When we first went out as a church in 2006, we had two missionaries, Karondauer Van Dyke, and they were in South Africa. And uh, they op- God opened up a door to a country named Swaziland. Everybody wants to know why Swaziland maybe is so important in the life of this church. Um, We were planting a church here, and at the same time, God had us planting a church and working with churches in a country called Eswatini. A lot of people said we were nuts to do something like that while we were planting a church. But it was God giving us the privilege of doing both of both being involved here locally and being involved with his heart to the nations. And so it's part of the DNA of this congregation. And certainly, as you guys know, over the last 17 years, we've seen many, many things happen in Eswatini. We've seen schools built. We've seen wells dug. We've seen medical clinics go forward. We've seen food relief during times of drought. We've seen churches lifted up. We see Mick and Kathy Sander, our own brothers and sisters, who are now over there as full-time missionaries. And then through them, we now have ministry to a deaf population that's completely unreached. Trauma counseling is being introduced to people who are in desperate need for knowing how to deal with trauma. Over the last 16 years of teams, I've taken over 260 people to Eswatini. And if you were to talk to some of those people, they would tell you that it was life-changing for them. Why? Because they stepped into God's heart for the nations. They stepped into the pleasure of God. They saw the Holy Spirit do things through them and through others that they would never experience apart from stepping out and being a part of that. We've had brothers and sisters in this church, Saju and Anu, go out with the International Justice Mission Certainly, as you guys know, we have Karen Visky. now includes Romania, Bethany in Tanzania, the Coltarts in Zimbabwe, Jess and Raj, Paul Raj, and the Britons in a country I can't mention, but you guys know, Don and Samantha working in powerful ways in the Middle East. As a matter of fact, this week I just found out there's a new church planted in Turkey, another new church in a place where the gospel's not supposed to be. And God is reaching the nations. And it's been a privilege and a joy to share God's heart for the nations. Brothers and sisters, we have a place in the feast that never ends. All of us have a place in this feast that never ends through what God's doing in and through us to the nations. Does that excite you? Does it stir your heart? Teenagers, have any of you been thinking about going on the mission field? Maybe next year you'll come to Eswatini or a place with us overseas. Does that mean we're not doing anything locally? Of course, you know that doesn't mean that. In God's kingdom, it's always a both-and. It's never an either-or. I'm going to say that again because I think sometimes we can get trapped into it being an either-or. There's so much temptation out there, especially after the pandemic, to be myopic, to just sort of be about ourselves, only focusing on ourselves. And we miss the great blessing of being a part of God's heart for the nations, of being a witness to people who are in desperate need, people who are in great darkness and need to know this wonderful message that God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die, that we might know life and eternal life. We might know forgiveness and reconciliation with God. We might become adopted children of the God of the universe, that we might know a hope that will never die. We might know a certain future that is ours. We might know a joy that goes deeper than our sorrows. So thinking about this and thinking about how can we encourage one another, and I don't know where you're at. And I'm sure someone might say, well, I hear it, but it's hard for me to get into a place where I have a sense of excitement or I want to be a part of that. There's so much going on. And here's what I want to do. I want to encourage us today to think about one thing that I believe will stir us to be thinking more along the lines of God's heart for the nations. And that is that you individually and we corporately become a house of prayer for the nations. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark 11:15. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called the house of prayer for all nations. My house will be called the house of prayer for all nations. You see, the temple was designed to have a court for the nations so they could come and pray. that They could come and seek God. But it had become a marketplace. And Jesus strongly reminded the people there, that his house was a house of prayer for the nations. So let's take it to today, to after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has come. For us who are here today who are believers, the Holy Spirit has now entered into our hearts. We are now one with Christ. We have that same spirit that comes with power in us. And as a result of that, the scripture tells us that we ourselves have become temples of the living God. And if we are the temples of a living God, then what his words are, we should also be a house of prayer for the nations because that's his intention for the temple. Well, you remember a few weeks ago, Josh preached on the third soil, did he not? What moves us, just like the temple became a marketplace, what moves our hearts away from being a house of prayer for the nations, even having that desire in us, is the third soil, right? It's the cares of this world. It's the busyness of this world. It's the pursuing of wealth and pleasures. It's the hard circumstances in our lives, all of them driving us away from even having a sense that God has called us to pray for the nations, a sense that The fulfillment of his prophecy of all the nations hearing the gospel is a part of who we are in our witness. So what would it be like if by God's grace we would just begin to pray for the nations? That we'd be intentional enough to say, I want to pray for our missionaries or I want a particular missionary that I'm going to get a hold of, and I'm going to say, let me know how I can pray for you weekly. Or maybe I think about the church around the world and all those brothers and sisters being persecuted, and I begin to pray for the persecuted church, and my heart begins to move in that direction because my heart's becoming in tune with God's heart for the nations. There's an organization called Operation World. I don't know if you've heard about them, but you can go online, operationworld.org, and they have a calendar. Every day they have a different country that you can pray for, and you literally go on, click it, and it tells you about the country and how the country needs prayer, and you can just pray for a country. It would take us three or four minutes to do that, to pray for the nations. When I think about our children, when I think about what's on their minds and what's on their hearts, and do they, do they know anything about the world and about the nations, they put out a book called Window on the World. And literally, this book is full of pictures of the different nations and ways that our children can pray for them. It's a wonderful book. What a way to just say, hey, let's take a moment. Let's learn about a country in the world and let's pray for them. If you could put that picture up, that would be great. See that picture? That's of a young girl praying for the world. That's that's what's on our heart and mind. That's pretty interesting. I I have it here. It's this beautiful picture. Um, And what would it be like if God was moving our hearts to just pray? Pray for the nations pray for God to be at work in places that we can't reach, but then we hear that God is at work. Then we hear in powerful ways what God is doing. It started for me, I don't know, must have been 30-some years ago. I started praying for China because I was challenged in a sermon like this to begin praying. Pray. And I began praying for China And then I began seeing articles in the Inquirer about the house church movement in China. And I read a book called Heavenly Man, and he spoke about all the miracles that were happening in China as the Spirit of God was being poured out and how literally millions of people were coming to the Lord through the house church movement. I have a brother and sister here who could say amen to that. They could say amen to that. They're sitting here as a part of that home church movement in China, the blessing of the Spirit being poured out. I prayed for that. (laughs) I prayed for that over 30 years ago. And I participated in God's heart for the nations. That's exciting to be a part of that. How do we pray down the strongholds of darkness in our countries? We go to prayer for them. We don't even have to leave our house to do it. So that's what I want to encourage us to be. A house of prayer for the nations. And then let the Holy Spirit begin to move that heart in and through us, and maybe you'll be like Kathy Sander. Maybe you don't know too much of the story about Kathy Sander, but if Kathy were here right now, she would tell you she's the most reluctant missionary. But what happened to Kathy Sander? She opened up just a small window to say to Mick, I'll go to you to the perspectives class. I'm just going to audit it. Mick always wanted to be a missionary. Kathy never wanted to be a missionary. But she went to a class that began talking about God's heart for the nations. And in about three weeks' time, the Spirit moved in her so much, she said to Mick, you know what? I think God wants me to go to Eswatini with you. And that's why they're there now. God moved in her heart as she just began hearing and looking at the word of God that talked about a heart for the nations. And look what they're doing, brothers and sisters. They're reaching an unreached people's group. The deaf population in Eswatini had no real gospel message coming to it. As a matter of fact, they were like the lepers of the Israel community. Nobody even wanted to be around them. There was no communication. They were isolated and left alone. And now, by God's grace, there is a deaf church and there's excitement in the deaf community, and the gospel is going out, and people are being encouraged, and they're, they're now going, and they have people to stand up for them for their rights, and it's just this incredible thing that God is doing. Amen? Can you get excited about that? See, this is what, it, this is what it's all about. Can I get excited about that? My heart stirs when I hear those things because I really believe my heart is resonating to God's heart and I get a delight out of it. Even though I'm not a part of it, I get a delight out of it. Yesterday, I'm sitting down in my office in a Zoom message with Mick and Kathy and pastors from South Africa and Eswatini to talk about how we can partner for the gospel together. Amen? That's what we're part of. God is on the move. He's calling us to be a part of that. He's calling the Liberty Communion to be a part of that. He has a heart for the nations. Does that mean we don't come to Philadelphia, that we don't come to the suburbs? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It's a both and. If I'm a witness, I'm a witness here and I'm a witness there. I'm a witness wherever I go because I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit that was poured out on Pentecost is now in and through us and we have the ability To proclaim Christ no matter where we're at, we can be given boldness that we never thought we would have. We can even speak in different languages. What do you think about that? I had that happen. My brother in Christ, Van Zee Moore, pastor of Visions and Missions Church, will tell you that one day they were down in a Latino area and he went to do street preaching and the next thing he knows he was speaking Spanish. Out of his mouth came Spanish, and he was speaking it to the people there. And just like in Acts, they were responding. Let us not limit and quench what the Holy Spirit can do in and through us, brothers and sisters. Let's be open. Let's ask God for a heart. Let's begin praying for the nations. Let's be a part of what God's kingdom is doing throughout the world. That's where he's called us. That's your heritage here at Bridge. If you're new to Bridge, now you know your heritage. We don't want to lose it. We want to grow in it together. That we all can experience the pleasure of God's heart for the nations. Amen? Amen. Let's come to the table today. As we think about that, thinking about the Lord who has come to the nations, think about.